Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. Big things are ahead for comedian Roy Wood Jr. I'm Natalie Moore, in for Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset. After seven years as a correspondent for The Daily Show, comedian Roy Wood Jr. will get behind the desk. He's filling in as guest host of the Late Night Comedy Central show this week, as the search for a permanent host continues after Trevor Noah's exit last fall. Reset guest host Patrick Smith spoke to the comedian about taking the helm at this iconic show. From one guest host to another, congratulations on the guest hosting gig of The Daily Show starting today, this week. Uh, how are you feeling about things? I feel good, man. I, I think it's a, it's a very interesting time in our country. So to be able to be in the chair and be, you know, dare I say, a little more serious, mm. um, I kind of I welcome the I welcome the challenge. That idea of being a little more serious, that's the question I had, which is, like, what's the biggest difference or what are you most eager about in the difference between being a correspondent between now sitting in that, that host chair? I think in the chair, there's an opportunity to be a little bit more grounded here and there. You know, as as a correspondent, you know, your job is to work in support of the host, the other ideologies in the show, to be the kind of wacky, silly person, you know? As the host, you're kind of the conductor in a way. I mean, of course, a lot of it's going to boil down to what type of news breaks this week. God forbid, you know, we get hit with another tragedy or a weather event. You know, anything can happen. And I think that the different, the biggest difference between a Daily Show host and a Daily Show correspondent is that the host also has the responsibility to acknowledge people's feelings. Mm. How do you do that while also trying to keep things, you know, as light as you can, keep things funny? Uh, Sometimes you can't keep it light. You have to acknowledge the fact that people are going through something. You know, the thing that we're able to do really well within our within our setup is that you can acknowledge the pain of the tragedy. You can acknowledge the pain of the policies. But then the pivot into humor comes into the causation of that tragedy or how do we prevent it? Or who's blocking the 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 ways to prevent this from happening again? And I think in that is where we find um, is where we're able to find a little bit of humor and levity in all of this. Yeah, you know, I can hear not that you're excited to talk after a tragedy, but I can hear, you know, how seriously you take that the 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 responsibility of being in the host chair. You said you're excited about it. I want to ask the question. I think everybody's wondering, which is. Do you want to permanently replace Trevor Noah? Yeah, I don't think anybody who is given that opportunity should turn that down. I don't I can't think of anybody who's guest hosted who would say, nah, I'm just here for a little <laughs> bit. No, I want an opportunity. And, you know, if it's not with Comedy Central, then, you know, hopefully somewhere else. And by guest hosting this week, it serves just as a bit of a showcase of, hey, hey, everybody, here's what I can do. And obviously, I'm excited to watch this week. Um, obviously, the reason that they're going through these guest hosts, the reason that you might be the next permanent host is because Trevor Noah stepped down. September of 2022 is when he announced it. What was your reaction? I mean, I, my understanding is is sort of the staff of the show un- uh, learned 
in real time when he said it to the audience there. Was that your experience? What was your reaction when when he announced he was departing from the show? I was at the news and documentary Emmys the night that Trevor announced. I wasn't at the st- I'd left the studio at five. The cocktail hour started at six for the Emmys. The program started at seven. It's downstairs under Madison Square where this event is. So no one had a cell phone signal. I go to take a bathroom break about an hour into the ceremony. And I have like 50 text messages and I'm seeing Hollywood reporter articles and I'm getting my slack is blowing the, the, the work group text <laughs> that I'm on is going crazy. And my first thought was, yeah, not surprised, not surprised, not surprised, not surprised. You know, and I, I made, I made a song jokingly that it was just on my socials on Trevor's last day. And it was called when a black dude at your job stops cutting his hair, you know, he's getting ready to leave. <laughs> and so, you know, we're looking at John Batiste uh, from Colbert. If you look at his hair journey mm. over seven years, <laughs> like, oh, yeah, you started growing your hair. I knew you were going to leave. No, I, Trevor, Trevor, like, I don't think it's fair to to compare Trevor to John, to John Stewart, mm-hmm. because they were both in two different arcs of their career journeys. Trevor is in his mid-30s still. John Stewart was late 40s when he wrapped up daily show those are two different horizons in terms of what you have the energy for and the things you want to explore a lot of what trevor noah is going out and doing now john stewart had already done Mm. so him laying anchor in the daily show was a much different was a much different thing comedians evolve comedians grow we want to try other stuff we want to produce stuff we want to do lighter stuff and this job takes a toll mentally your job every day is to find everything that's wrong in the world and then try to make it funny, which means there's a lot of stuff that you that you literally do not know whether or not that's going to like make it to the news, yeah. but you still have to consume it. And that leaves you feeling you know a little bleak in the world. And that's why it's fun. To, that's, why, that's why we have to do silly, goofy stories sometimes up top in the show, because tonally, we know we're going to take you on a journey about abortion, abortion rights after the break. You're listening to Reset. I'm Patrick Smith, in for Sasha Ann Simons, and we're talking to actor and comedian Roy Wood Jr., who's guest hosting The Daily Show this week. You talked about this guest hosting gig being a chance to, to showcase your skills and what you can do, uh, both for Paramount and for, for everybody else. You've got another big gig coming up later this month. You're emceeing the White House Correspondents' Dinner on April 29th. There have been a lot of memorable moments mm-hmm. from this event. Trevor Noah hosted Obama's infamous roast of Trump. What did it feel like when, when you learned you had landed this role uh, of, of MC? It's, it's weird because I'm still dreading having to host this. So when I found out about the Correspondents' Dinner, mm-hmm. I found out top of January, middle of January, right? Well before the announcement came out. That was also around the same time where I was finding out what week I was going to get. And so I found out my week and then found out about the Correspondence Dinner. And I went, oh, my God, they're in the same month. How do I write for two different things mm. in this? So now the month of March has been, the, the you know, last month in March, I spent that time 
you know, really staying on stage on a regular basis. And, you know, the Daily Show, you get an opportunity to say what is going on today in the country. Whereas I feel like the Correspondents' Dinner, in a weird way, it's kind of, it's the closest that a voter will get to delivering a State of the Union to politicians. It's almost a citizen's reply. You know, it's, it's it, in a way, it's a, you know, what, what is it? What do they call it in corporate world? A performance evaluation. Mm-hmm. I, I don't take it lightly, but I've, I've been so locked in on figuring out what the hell I'm going to do as a host that I really haven't had time to, like, we have broader strokes, myself and my writers with a correspondence center, we have broader strokes of what we want to do. But in terms of really going, I'm going to talk about that person or that person, you know, you, you know, my comedy, I'm more issue based than person based. Yeah. And I don't see that deviating too much, you know, on the day. But, you know, there's definitely some some Joe some Joe Biden jabs we need to talk about. There's definitely some Kamala jabs, you know. It was 2018, I think, when uh, Michelle Wolf, another former Daily Show alum, uh, hosted and there was all this to me, ginned up kind of fake outrage and controversy over that. Uh, certainly yeah, not the first time the, the course. And I'm not going to ask you to get all into that because, honestly, I think a lot of the controversy around that was was pretty boring. What I want to ask is, is that the sort of thing you keep in your mind of like, oh, I hope we don't have this big news cycle after? Or it would be great if we have a big news cycle about how daring and, and, and badass I was. I think that comedy, when it is at its best, it is courageous. And it ain't going to always be for everybody. Um, I think that any opportunity you give a politician to play the victim, you're giving them the upper hand. Mm. Because now the conversation isn't about any of the policies that Huckabee was backing that Trump was pushing. The conversation is about you were mean to me in public. And I think I want to, for me and for my comedy, and that's not critiquing Wolfie, you know, and I know Wolf. But for me and my comedy, I want to make sure that the conversation the next day, to some degree, remains on point about the policies. But when you're making jokes, you can't control how people are going to take it and spin it. I guarantee you, Michelle Wolf did not write a joke about a woman having smoky eyes, thinking that it would turn into what it was going to turn into. You visited the White House for a segment on The Daily Show uh, with President Biden. Here's a here's a bit from that. Let's listen to that. How you doing, Mr. President? Well, how you doing? Now, quick question, Mr. President. The Warriors won in 2017 and 2018. Why didn't they come to the White House those other two times? Well, you have to ask the other guy, but he doesn't work here anymore. New new Uh, boss, new rules. All right, well, thank you. Well, mystery solved. (laughs) What was that experience like? What was the chemistry like between you and President Biden? I think Joe and I got a little bit of chemistry. He's he's funny. He's a very slick and funny dude. Like you can tell Joe Biden used to like drink beer out the bottom of the can in college. <laughs> you know, them types. It's like, Oh yeah. <laughs> Shake it up and get a pair of car keys. and crack the bottom of a beer can open. Uh, visiting the white house was cool. You know, that was my first time, you know, I was there about eight years ago when Trevor got to interview Obama. Mm-hmm. Um, in the but just being there in a the support capacity versus being there as an actual, you know, member of the media. It's two totally different experiences. I still think that politics exists more on the state and local levels. You know, when you look at what's happening, like even next week with 
with the Wisconsin Supreme Court voting, which that court will decide some of the gerrymandering that's been happening in that district, which will then decide the majority of House and Senate. So there are so many other things happening beyond the White House that I find of interest that, you know, sometimes I really want to lock in on that stuff as well. It's very, very easy. And this is the difficult balance of what we do, at least. It's very easy, in my opinion, to have to have stories that follow what everyone is already talking about versus the stories that we think everyone should be talking about. And I think that's the that's the never ending challenge every day of The Daily Show is that, hey, you may think that this little Supreme Court vote that's happening in Wisconsin for their state Supreme Court isn't going to affect gun laws and abortion laws in your state, but let us show you how. But also after the break, woolly mammoth meatballs. <laughs> I want to <laughs> I want to change gears here a little bit and talk a little bit about you before I let you go. On the Blocks podcast, which is uh, hosted by Chappelle Show co-creator Neil Brennan, you recently talked about putting your accomplishments into perspective. And I, I just wonder... How is the how has your outlook on on your career, the significance of your career, changed from when you were this young, hungry comedian looking to make it out of Birmingham to to where you are now, guest hosting, maybe permanently? You know, I'm not, I'm not announcing news here, but hopefully permanently and uh, hosting the Daily Show. Um, I definitely have to like sit back and just go, oh, okay, good job, Roy, and it's okay to say that you did a good job, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Um. Because it, the the problem is that when you start in entertain when you start in most careers, fear of failure is more prominent than a desire to succeed. All you're trying to do is not mess it up. You're not thinking about getting it right. And the transition that happens from when you're an open micer and you do you know your three minute, five minute TV so it's like when I think back, man, and I think back to the gravity that being on David Letterman meant to my career yeah. in 2006 to now I could call any late night show I want and just show up and do five minutes and they would be happy to have me. And like to think about it like that and just go, Oh damn, that's pretty cool. Now, I trust that I'm going to get something right. I'm not going to bomb the White House Correspondents' Dinner. Right. So then once that, but, but that's the prevalent thought that a comedian would have early on. is like, oh, don't bomb, don't bomb, don't bomb, versus, okay, what am I trying to say? What am I trying to leave people with? Your most recent stand-up special, Imperfect Messenger, starts with you on a video chat with, with your your young son. Has becoming a father changed your outlook on comedy at all? It's made me more introspective. Like even now, you know, the next run of bits that I plan to do, the the, the next the next three hour specials are going to be centered around the theme of fatherhood. Mm. Like if there's like one, you know, just you know the men that the men that quote unquote raised me after my father passed, just the lessons I learned from other adults along the way in life, absent of a father who died when I was 16, then looking into just, you know, kind of just looking back into the relationship with myself and my father and then taking all of that and unpacking what that means 
for my relationship between me and my son. It sounds like, I mean, the way you're describing this is that that in stand-up, you're doing sort of what you're talking about needing to do uh, as hosting The Daily Show, which is is balance this heavy stuff that you're like, I need to talk about this. I'm curious about this. This is important to me. This is important to other people. We'll also also making people laugh. Um, does it feel like a stand-up set when you're when you're when you're guest hosting? Is that similar or, or, or no? Am I barking up the wrong tree here? No, for me, it's going to feel like stand-up. I'm just sitting down. You know, <laughs> they have a teleprompter and everything, but to me, comedy is a conversation. Uh, news. It's interesting because in England, you know, it's journalism, but they're also called news presenters or presenters. They're not necessarily called anchors, right? Yeah. So I have no interest in presenting the news. I just want to have a conversation with with people through a television on what's happening. And I think that's the thing that, you know, radio prepared me for. You know, I really look at everything that I've done. You know, the stand-up side was one thing, but doing morning radio. And keep in mind, my first internship in morning radio was hard news. So I had to pull stories every day. I had to go and read the AP Wire and Gannett and all of that stuff. So the thing that radio taught me in Birmingham is that it's not millions of people. It's one person. You are talking to one person. It's an audience of one. And when you keep it like that, it's very, very easy uh, to maintain a proper perspective. You have a podcast of your own uh, called Roy's Job Fair. You had an episode on burnout this year where you actually announced the show was going on hiatus due to the workload. Now you're guest hosting a late night show. You're emceeing a national event. You're on tour right now. We just talked about the fact that you're a father. How do you balance your self-care with everything else on your plate? <laughs> yeah, and then there's also, like, the TV scripts that aren't even public that I'm working on and writing. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. How do you do it? I mean, as as we speak, I'm in the closet of my son's room, you know, doing this. You steal the moments when you can. He's on spring break. So, you know, I was gifted the gift of a morning to sleep in from the job today. So you just have to be intentional. You have to schedule it. It's not something that's just going to happen, especially with parenting. And I think the thing that parents have to remember is that it's not on the child for you all to have a healthy relationship. That's on you. And if there's something that's not being fed, it's a plant. You have to water it. And a plant can never say, hey, I need water. Like, at least a dog can come and scratch your leg. But, you know, plants need sun. They need attention. They need water. Children need hugs. They need love. They need communication. They need your time. And so you just have to be intentional about that. I think what's unfortunate when you're in a position like me where you're juggling a, a, a number of different things concurrently is that some days you have to pick the one thing you're gonna kinda suck at. Good parent, good partner, good employee, good comedian, good writer, <laughs> bath. <laughs> Something's getting missed. Yeah, I, I I think you told the New York Times that Sunday is basically the only day when you are able to to be a good comedian, a good partner, and a good good father all all on the same day, just because of, of yeah, all the demands. Today is opening day, the home opener for the White Sox. You are basically the opposite of a White Sox fan. You're a big Cubs fan. What are your expectations yes. for, for the baseball season? 
I think that the Cubs are going to surprise a lot of people. Um, I think Swanson's good. I think uh, Nico Horner's poised for a breakout year. Our big question is just going to be pitching. You know, I think that's what did us in last year. And ultimately, if we can get a good bullpen together and just have, you know, the arms needed. Because, you know, baseball is all metrics now and numbers. So a guy will come in and throw to one batter. Right. So, all right, well, I need you to do that good. If, you, if you're paid to pitch to one person every other day, strike him out, please. <laughs> <laughs> when you look at the NL Central, you know, I, I don't want to get all baseball nerdy. No, hey, you, I, 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 I want you to, though. The Brewers and the Cardinals, you just can't sleep on them. You just can't sleep on them. They just always figure out a way to do it. And the Cardinals will just... The Cardinals every year will just beat you with a guy you've never heard yeah, of. Yeah, you're like, wait, who's that? <laughs> yeah. Lucky uh, Pound Schmidt the third. <laughs> like, who? <laughs> uh, His father, Jim J. Pound Schmidt, played with the Birmingham Barons for five years in 1971. It's like, what? <laughs> the guy hits 50 homers. Uh, as a as a Tigers fan, you know David Eckstein managed to to cr- break my heart in two thousand six from the Cardinals. So yeah. any, <laughs> anyway, yeah. uh, last question for you: any plans uh, any plans for coming to Chicago soon? Uh, nothing on the books right now for Chicago. Um, I'm going to be back out on the road. My guess for Chicago will probably be September or October. But first. I need to see if I'm hosting a late night show. And once I have an answer to that, that'll kind of dictate the back half of the year. Yeah, that 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 might affect your schedule a little bit. All right, thank you so much. That is comedian Roy Wood Jr. He's been a correspondent for The Daily Show for seven years and will be guest hosting this week. He'll also be emceeing the White House Correspondents Dinner later this month. Roy, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, thank you. This episode of Reset was produced by Michael Liptrot. It was edited by Andrew Merriweather and Meha Ahmad. If you love Reset and want to support our show, share this podcast with your friends and family. Personal recommendations are the best way to spread the word about our podcast. That's a wrap for Reset. I'm Natalie Moore in for Sasha Ann Simons. We'll have another episode for you this afternoon. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.